0: I mean, that sounds, that sounds almost perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the kid that played uh, with Bo Bennett's brother.
1: <clears throat> okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. Can would be good?
0: Me, you Finn here. ones. Pento solid. Both fake ones. If Chris confirms.
1: Yeah. Cause we're waiting on like, Five more confirmations and have about four spots. Five or six more confirmations have like four spots left.
0: If this kid Soren commits, we definitely take him. Yeah, yeah. he'll be he'll be our best forward for sure. Oh yeah, then perfect.
1: Yeah, we'll put him on forward. We said we can drop any to D. We'll just put all the best guys at forward, honestly. What's that?
2: We'll just put all the good guys at forward. Just scout everybody and warm up, and then decide. Yeah, and then make it. A, I can send you some tape from high school.
1: <laughs> I'm going to pull up Ben's note from last night. Speaking of Bo Bennett on the episode today, that was a solid interview. Listened to it last night. Yeah, it yeah. was way
2: better than I thought it would be. He was pretty That was like, good. Open, he let it rip. So it was good. Yeah.
1: So at the end of this episode, you'll be getting Bo Bennett here. Uh, we're talking about now getting the Summer Chirping Tournament Series teams together. We got what? Pittsburgh coming up April 8th to 10th, taking roller and ice. Be solid.
0: Playing gm here on my phone trying to look at ep and google docs and see what's going on but yeah i'm excited i my, I, had to, I just had to bring my gear inside last week it was sitting out on the uh, balcony uh living that apartment life and we got a bunch of snow so my stuff is probably so crusty right now yeah
1: we're trying to fix our travels we got three games in raleigh this weekend we're supposed to play one saturday night one sunday morning at like 7:30, and then one at like 12 sunday and we're like uh we're supposed to get like five to seven inches again between north carolina and maryland
0: and i don't want to be on the news stuck on the beltway for 14 <laughs> hours like yeah ben, last did week. you see that i-95 it's like a major interstate it runs from florida to maine but it's part I've of the heard that
2: highway name
0: yeah it's part of the beltway the major major highways that run through dc maryland virginia and everything there's people stuck on it for over 20 hours last week. oh i
2: did see that
0: yeah because we got some snow
2: yeah that's tough
0: yeah, that so it is no
1: for this area though.
0: Yeah, but I, it, well, for the record, uh, we haven't pointed it out yet. It's episode one twenty seven,
1: one twenty seven, and that's where the music stops. Boom, and we're in it. But yeah, like you said, Bo Bennett, YouTube yeah. let it rip last night, and it was it's an awesome one. So you'll enjoy that. It's, it's over an hour here, so we'll keep this part short, but over an hour of Bo
0: Bennett. Yeah, a little bit of a left turn. He, you know, we we talk a lot of caps on this podcast, and he played the majority of his career for Pittsburgh. So uh, don't let that leave a, a sour taste in your mouth. Don't exit early. It's a really good interview. Um, really cool guy. He complimented he,
2: the caps. <clears throat> Jesus Christ! Anyone hear that? <laughs> yeah, he, did. he complimented the caps a lot too.
0: Yeah, he had some funny stories. Uh, a real good Phil Castle story for sure. You're going to want to listen to. But uh, little little left turn for the podcast. But it, it was really cool to talk to him last night.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, well, like I said, we'll keep this part short. We'll get this episode up within 30 minutes after recording here i've got to get to the school get on the bus got a road game what do you think of the all black fit here uh fit a gray, pretty
2: professional
0: it's good for the pod too what type of shoes we wearing
1: uh well we're in adidas school so they got to be the black adidas
0: okay right? okay we're yeah, that's, adidas
1: school so it's clean like we're going all blacks because the boys are in blacks today you got the
0: la looks in your hair too
1: Oh, yeah, baby. We're, we're cleaned up. We're ready to go going rock. all
2: black because you're going to a funeral of whoever you're playing?
1: Oh, yeah, because the boys are going to be rocking these bad boys today, the black hitters. So we're yeah. we're going to be off. Oh, you guys
2: so. have alternates?
1: No, our, our, our roads are blacks. Our homes are grays. But next year, we're going oh, to have a okay. set of blues. So we're going to have three sets. bit of a rebrand? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a rebrand. Well, um, our- um,
0: I-, I was going to say, as long as you guys don't score on yourself, like, you can't do any worse than the caps have been. Yeah, let's talk about that. I guess real quick. A little Haglin finally gets a goal. Well, yeah, we were on a four-game losing streak, and part of that <laughs> was a uh, contrib- uh, contribution from uh, noted, huge, huge, huge uh, fan on this podcast, uh, Carl Haglin. He finally buries
2: well, in the wrong net. Too. Yeah, that in the wrong. Finally, night. gets a wide open net. Uh,
0: unfortunately, AB is not on to eviscerate him for it. But could it happen to like who better on the Caps lineup? Like who would get. Chirped more for scoring the, on their own goal.
2: The only person I can Carl. think of is like John Carlson. Yeah, <laughs> someone with Carl in their name would get yelled at.
0: But goodness gracious! Like uh, we went down, uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday.
2: <sighs> we're we're
0: getting nervous, hitting the panic button. Do the Caps need to make changes? Now we talked to Tark last week, and now we're thinking Caps need a goalie change after the last few games. So I, I'm all in on that. And if because we're playing we're good. Yeah, he did. He does look good, but he's not going to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I've I've been playing a little bit of cap gymnastics in my head, figuring out how we're going to do this or that. We're, we would have to definitely move a young guy or two. Um, or Carl Hagelin. But he's making 2-7. If we're going to give up, we to, we'd have to do like a Vrana thing last year where here you can have Vrana, um, but you have to take Dick Panic also. Right. So there there would have to be some upside to that trade that would clear two seven off the books, hoping, you know, maybe Chicago eat some salary, get Mark andre Fleury down to, you know, three. That's get rid of Carl Haglund and someone like McMichael. That's oh. that, that makes
2: no chance to get rid of McMichael. I <laughs> might be the dumbest thing you've ever said, Bobcat. And I respect would they're... the hell out
0: of you. To give it for someone to take Carl Hagelin, they're gonna have to give up something. I
2: know they'd have to give up something, but I don't think Washington would give up McMichael.
0: I'm just saying it would have to be someone with an entry level deal. That's that would make sense. So if I was two, seven like off the books first,
2: definitely two
0: seven off the books, and then eight nine five or eight five from a rookie or a young guy, and then Chicago eats some cap. I that, would say
2: that would be like a or leeson before McMichael.
0: I obviously would like to give up Protus or, Mc, or Leeson before McMichael. I'm just saying people are going to ask. You look like Chikrin right now. People are. I'm not comparing the. I won't jump Car- on. Carl Hagelin to Jake Chikrin, but people are asking for a lot in trades right now. It people are banging forever. on
2: Washington's door. They want Carl Hagelin. It
0: took forever for Michael uh-huh. to get moved again. Very different players, but people are asking for a lot. If the Caps want someone like Marc-Andre Fleury, Chicago's not going anywhere. If they... If the Caps don't buy them or take them, someone else will.
2: You don't think – Wash like, do you think they could do, like, Haglin? They won't trade Haglin, but hypothetically Haglin, a first, and, like, a decent prospect like a Leeson. Um, I think they would take that.
0: I don't know if Leeson – a first would definitely – but if the Caps are going to be a playoff team, that first could be, you know, 28. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I think we're – I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet. I just love thinking of hypothetical trades – um things like that um we we did ask the question or someone asked is it more likely that the caps get flower or, or hopey back i think if dallas goes on a skid um the likelihood that maybe they would look to to sell we could get hopey back and then he sticks around signs another one-year deal helps helps mentor a little bit um but i think if they get flower it's one and done just a push and he's out the door
2: yeah, no, I agree. I think Flowers more likely than Holpe.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, I'd go, I'd go goalie
2: first. Anything
1: else?
0: Well, we're not getting Evander Kane. Praise no. be. It looks he's like uh, looks like he's off to Edmonton. Yeah, I
2: saw the favorites today were Edmonton, Carolina, Florida.
0: Carolina, just yeah. Let's bring in Tony D. Bring in Evander Kane. Maybe Leipzig. Just a place for a
2: you go there for a fresh start.
1: Yeah. And if you're Florida, you can just put him up in the suite when you help when you health problem with Kodak Black.
2: Oh, oh my God. God. Well, it's confirmed. Good segue. Yeah, no confirmed. No yeah, goal. Yeah, confirmed,
1: no goal, no entry. No entry did there. you See just... the
2: one tweet though? He does have a hearing with the Department of Player Safety for hitting from behind. I did
0: see that. <laughs> it was the I also saw the handshake. It was Kodak Black, Tom Wilson's so hitting from funny. behind. Just so
2: funny. Because
1: the NHL makes a tweet. Like when he's like, "Oh, Kodak Black's in the building tonight." When he was sitting down on the glass, and the next thing you know, he's up in the box with the stripper, just <laughs> right next to management. and Luongo and them just getting twerked on. Do we know the that that was they'll probably get
2: like fined for that too? Do
0: we know that that was a, a a a ballet performer? Billman is that confirmed? I don't want to speak ill of the man's old lady. I mean, there
1: was another video of somebody in the box right next to them, or like in the box with them taking the video, and yeah, guy that guy's the way. weirdo. She's dressed. Imagine kinda... being camera guy. <laughs> Yeah.
2: just like, he's like lead back. The
1: attire <laughs> there is just kind of like, that's not what normal people wear to games.
0: Unless you um, were kind of paid to come. I'm willing to bet it may have been their first NHL experience. Um, so yeah. All right. Caps are brutal right now. Four game skid. Power plays brutal. We uh, went on a little tirade to group. Are we more worried about the power play or more worried about goaltending?
2: Uh, for me, it's goaltending over power play just because like Tarek said, like yes, they're they still should have more goals than they do on the power play, but they're gonna get better when they get everyone back. So I think that'll figure itself out before Sam somehow yeah, out his fixed. consistency.
1: Power play can be easily fixed unless you're yep. playing foresight. And don't understand the power play.
2: Are you on the Are you on the fire foresight train?
1: I haven't liked him for a couple of years. I said in Slack the other day our power play has been stale for a while.
2: I mean, should not we start make a point. hashtag blame Blaine?
1: How long? Rindling.
0: I mean, how how often do assistants get axed mid year without the head coach getting axed though?
2: Yeah, true. I well,
1: he was one guy we kept on. He, we kept him on from the
2: yeah. yeah from he's the trots. not a Lovie guy. Trotz
1: era. Yeah, we kept. He's one of the few guys we kept. Um, well, Their power right. play was. All so all good. Right. I, I shouldn't say kept. I should say trots left behind. Yeah, <laughs> probably makes <laughs> more and sense. And
0: Lavi didn't replace. Um, yeah, we did have a little Todd Reardon talk in the Bo Bennett interview too. That yeah, was, that was that good. Was fun. Um, so yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I think the power play will figure itself out. I know AB was super, uh, amped up about it. Like I, I, we, we do need the power play to change things up. And I think a lot of that just comes down to rotating, right? Like we talked yeah. with Targ about how Baxter is patient. He waits for guys to make mistakes. Uh, and to, you know, some fans that might be frustrating. It looks like we're not doing anything, not doing anything. But Backstrom is one of the few guys that can wait, 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 and then sauce, thread the needle, backdoor, boom. So uh, while it is tough to just watch them sit still, I think the the bigger issue is their zone entries on the power play.
2: Yeah, I think that's their biggest problem and pretty much has been since, like, what, Marcus Johansson left.
0: Yeah, their, their puck retention on the power play is just not good.
2: Because, yeah, Mojo used to just like. Uh like carry it in, like bounce it around a guy he's in, he sets it up. But now it's like John Carlson has to slingshot it back to Kuzi, who can sometimes get it, but usually doesn't.
0: Well, and the problem is and when they just dump him. it, when they dump it, the guys, the way that they run that slingshot, they have three, four guys up in the neutral zone standing still. The only guy yeah. moving is Kuzi. So unless yeah. he's dumping it to himself. But... Yeah.
1: The most yeah. important part of the power play when you're in the when you finally get in the zone, there's literally puck retrieval. You
2: got to yeah. get so got oh.
0: out, out, man, out, man, two to one.
2: Yeah, and then yeah, like you're saying, it's just standing still from there. And the only two people who should be like allowed to stand still are, like Backstrom and Carlson because Backstrom is Backstrom and Carlson's like the anchor.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like we need to have Kuzi maybe rotating, flashing out to the crease, swapping out with Oshie. Just got to get guys moving in between there. Yeah, like, exactly. Because
2: Ovi think... like Ovi can shoot from anywhere.
0: Yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Absolutely true.
1: So yeah, power play can fix itself, and once you get Oshie back in that bumper spot. Gives you a little more there.
0: Yeah, I do. I was defending the power play a little bit in the Slack chat, you know, saying, "Well, they've been at twenty percent basically the last few years, and then this year they're well below that." But I just don't, I don't know when I got comfortable or happy with them at twenty percent. Like, there's teams in the league clicking at thirty. Like, yeah, they well, need last to be more than like
2: what, like third in the league or fifth, and then it just never looked good. No, so I think like last year they were twenty.
0: They were twenty something percent last year like right around 20.3 or 20.9 like they they haven't been too impressive on the power play the last few years honestly. Oh. um so yeah, I, they need to they need we talked with Tariq again to to go back to last week but you want that PK and that power play adding up to um you know over 100 you want that 110 120 mark if possible to so get that yeah. PK and that power play percentage combined there. But so we'll see, but so right now, what, we're, we're still playing hypothetical what goalies to play? Like, who do we play next?
2: I say Vitek just because he's been out with, like, COVID forever. Both guys right now, like, Fucali had one bad game. Sammy had a few bad games. So I'd just throw Vitek in if he's healthy.
0: Yeah, it is kind of bizarre that Fucali got that shutout streak in losses, right? So the shutout was, what, two weeks ago, and he continued it in relief and then started the other night. So that was, I yeah, feel like yeah. that's pretty pretty bizarre stat.
2: It is, And to have it broken by your own player is also nuts.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is pretty bananas. Um, probably won't happen again. I think we we did try and go down the, the back to the well and think who did that last. It was Chicago scored on yeah, themselves Yeah, I think it was last. Chicago.
2: Might have been Patty Kane, but I'm not sure.
0: Is it Captain Serious? perhaps?
2: It could have been. I'm not actually so, sure.
0: So, if we're thinking, you know, hypotheticals here still – veteran forward and a goalie are, are places that that we want to uh, i can't believe i'm saying it veteran forward though right like who do we think is uh, maybe someone that could fit like i know i threw it in the, the group chat last night but eric stahl's a free agent right now you think he goes and plays in the olympics
2: true i forgot he is he probably will go play in the olympics i would think and then yeah. nhl teams will get a look at him for the rest of the season fair yeah. enough yeah
0: I mean, that's February. Are they allowed to sign guys? Like, how late are they allowed to sign guys?
2: I actually have no idea.
0: <laughs> I mean, JT Miller, I don't think the Caps would have enough to to move to get him.
2: No. Um, but it. what
0: about, you know, Phil the Thrill? Phil Man. would
2: be nasty on Washington. I would be all about that. He could fix a power play pretty quick, too.
0: Yeah, uh, especially you, you put you put him on that second unit, and that's a whole different whole different. I mean you can put him on the first even but you throw him on the you second. You see this unit, one?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, that's the, guy the I new one I'm talking about. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the
2: guy for the creepy bastard filming it in the corner. <laughs> um I,
0: mean. I I'd be curious what the what it would take to get someone like uh, maybe even Riley Smith. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I'm
1: going know. Yeah, Riley Smith
2: is pretty good in the playoffs too.
0: Yeah. Um I'd love to see Phil Castle though. I mean they're carrying six, eight of his $8 million contract right now. So they'd have to retain a good chunk of it. Um, maybe wait to the deadline and maybe he's more interesting. Um, another person that's on the trade block, apparently, that I think is nasty um, Kevin Fiala.
2: Kevin Fiala yeah. is nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's having but, himself a year.
2: Yeah. Minnesota's not going to move him if, if they, they have like cup
3: aspirations now. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, most of the guys that you know are listed are like Jake Dabroska. I have no interest in him. I don't think we need anything changed up defensively at the moment. Um, ben Chariot, I think he's going to get, and Montreal will probably get a good haul for him. Yeah. Um, and John Klingberg, uh, last I heard, they're going to try and re sign him, but now yeah, they might trade him still. So there's no way the Caps are able to pull someone like him.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Uh, i think last last name i'll throw up there is um mike hoffman
2: yeah mike hoffman's weird because he used to be like really good like one of the better snipers well, like what's along with that
0: like girlfriend troubles
2: honestly.
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the
2: eric carlson girlfriend yeah. troubles do you have an eye roller
1: yeah, yeah a little caffeine stick put it on the eyes to get them going man you know what i mean
2: really? it's a caffeine oh. stick.
1: Yeah, long days. Got my eyes a little droopy lately going to the rink I ten hours I should day, get
2: bro. one of those cuz I hate coffee, but I get so tired yeah. all the time. Wake I just up.
1: Finished caffeine. my coffee.
3: 32 Wake
0: ounces. <laughs> um, caffeine but, um, How do you
2: take your coffee, Bobcat?
0: Uh, out of convenience, cold and black. <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, cold coffee year round.
3: Yeah, yeah you're, you're a nice too. coffee guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I no. I
0: drink to be refreshed, right? Like right? I I think tea is disgusting. Tea is hot, disgusting. Hot, take, hot no, tea. No, pun, no pun intended. I think hot tea is disgusting. Yeah, agreed. That's uh psycho stuff there. But yeah, Some I don't dirty know.
2: Dirty plant water.
0: Um. Yeah, dirty plant water. We'll see. I don't know. I'd like to see see something go on trade-wise, but nothing or Do too... you think
2: we'd get bumped down in the lineup if we got another forward in like a sprong?
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Their lineup right now is just like, who's healthy, right? Like, yeah. But their lineup's been so in flux. I think the top six is pretty locked in.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd say the top six and then like the fourth line are locked in. Because I don't yeah, think so it's, it's going really anywhere.
0: it's really third line. Um, but yeah, Sprong. I mean Sherry just had two goals the other night, so maybe Yeah, that... I think
2: Sherry stays in. Um, I was, honestly think it's Sprong and Haglin, but Haglund's never been healthy scratched or anything, has he?
0: No, I don't not no, he hasn't.
2: Yeah. So I think it's Sprong as the odd man out every time.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So what else? What else is going on league wise? I think we had Eichel's back on the ice. That looks kind of weird.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm in a gray helmet, red jersey.
0: uh oh! Breaking news: Edmonton, Colorado, and LA are in on Carey Price.
2: Whoa! What? Carey huh.
0: Price, apparently.
2: Who is your source here?
0: I can't reveal that. Fair enough. But Carey Price, apparently... uh, I didn't even
2: think Price was like an option for anybody. I forgot he was playing. He's not. He's still not playing? No. What?
0: Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah, he hasn't played this year. Like, I don't know... I don't know what the hell... (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we had uh Seth Jones dodging the media in Columbus the other night.
2: Yeah, did you see that Billman? Apparently, he, like, snuck out the back door. No, <laughs> like I didn't. saw <laughs> Yeah, because he's playing Columbus for the first time. He just said, he Fuck, they like, shit him out. So, like Euro stepped out the door.
0: Well, I, you know what? He, he is now on the COVID list. Is so it maybe, yeah, maybe that's what happened
2: after they won, too. He, they yeah. won with him playing though, right? Uh, 18 you, hours
0: ago, him and their equipment manager got placed in protocol.
2: That's crazy. <laughs>
1: Fair, enough. Fair enough. Um,
0: but Eichel's backskating. Weird seeing him in, in Vegas stuff.
2: Vegas is going to be so good.
0: Yeah, they, they already will. are so good. <clears throat>
2: mm-hmm. Like, they uh, they came back against Toronto yesterday. And Petrangelo is, like, way better than I even remember. Like, he had a toe-drag snipe yesterday that was so duddy.
0: He has gotten walked a couple times this year, but uh, he is nasty. Like, he's worth every penny what he's making.
2: Yeah, oh, 100%. And then
0: Shea Theodore, he's probably my favorite player on their team.
2: Mm -hmm. Wasn't Petro leading their their team in points in the playoffs last year, too?
0: I think he was. Um, But uh, AB's not here to defend himself. He was chirping back at us for Jack Hughes going off, and then he had that uh, that quote on his rookie season, to Emily Ka- Ka- Kaplan. Did you see that, Bill? No. Uh. Uh-uh.
2: Yeah, read that quote. It's so brutal. It's on his first year in the NHL.
0: I hated it. It's like you've got McDavid one night, then Marshawn, then Crosby the next night. People would call me some pretty boy hockey player that couldn't play.
2: It's like, man, you're in the NHL. Do you not want to play them?
0: Yeah. Like, <laughs> expect you, so you're saying it was every more – it was more fun in the bubble when you played the same five teams over and yeah. over
2: again. I want to play Arizona every single night, and then throws in that he's a pretty boy
0: that's a tough look, tough look, yeah, I don't disagree.
2: He also can't make broccoli. Did you hear that?
0: I did see that who was he who's his roommate?
2: Ty Smith was like streaming with the New Jersey devil like mascot like they're playing n h l and then Jack like comes in, he's like, "How do you cook broccoli
0: Well, and then they started asking about him. He's like, how do you cook it? And he's like, well, yeah, I put olive oil. Like, oh, you're already wrong. You're already yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, he's here. You know, to Smith. You he's like, are you going to steam it? Like, Putting it you- in a pan, just <laughs> trying to yeah, try just fry sa- it up here? sauteing broccoli. He's like, you can also just eat it raw. Yeah.
2: You know, so well, you don't need to cook broccoli.
0: Um, Other TSN stuff that I'm just going to rip off here. Just see Bobby Clark's comments, Bill. I know no. Ben did. Uh, oh, yeah. Talking Excuse about x Gave
2: Nolan Patrick the shittiest day.
0: Oh my God, dude. He's well. So, Bobby Clark, if you don't know, is an all time Philadelphia legend. He was their leader in pretty much every category, won them two cups, was GM, was a coach. Now he's some executive with the team, some armchair role. Um, but he came out and said that none of their scouts wanted Nolan Patrick when they took him number two in 2017. Uh, throwing Hextall completely under the bus, saying he was holding you know cards close to his chest. All of their scouts were saying Macar, 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 and Nolan Patrick fell into their lap. I mean, everyone was—he was the consensus number one, but the whole the whole staff said, "Nope, we don't want him." And Hextall just said, "Fuck it, And nah, we're taking Nolan Patrick." Oh shit! Oops. And like,
2: no, imagine being Nolan Patrick, just like thinking it's just a regular Tuesday and he's just getting smoked, saying no one wanted him.
0: Well, dude, he, has he, hasn't played, he hasn't played. He hasn't played. I think twenty games in the last three seasons.
2: Oh, I know he's a complete band-aid. He had well, been, I say bandit. He's like a pretty big-headed.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah Macar's had a, was, had a decent span. Calder winner. Like, did you see his goal last night? Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh, yeah, nasty. Did the same thing. He did the same thing.
2: Dude. Yeah, he just dude, the he one he had on it.
0: Chicago the other night was. <laughs>
2: yeah, Kirby Doc was like literally twisted inside
0: out. Yeah, <laughs> um, but other other interesting. Flyers notes was uh, if Sanheim was still on the team or if Sanheim was not on the team, basically Clark would have said they wanted Pasta. Apparently, the consensus was everyone wanted to take Pasta in that draft, and Sanheim wasn't on most people's boards at that point, and Hextall took him.
2: See, it just seems weird. Like Pasta went like twenty fifth. Like, why is Bobby Clark like coming out and being like, "Yeah, no, I know, I I knew he was that good before we drafted him. I wanted him." It's yeah, like- I. Advanced he could be just lying.
0: Well, he, he's also had the the first hire he made was one of his uh, old teammates, and they put him. He was in a locker room role, so they were like, "Yeah, he had spies everywhere. Like nobody trusted him." Yeah.
2: Like, yeah, like I feel like he could just be like lying. He picked out like two players who turned out to be like the best of their draft class, basically. And he's well, like, yeah, yeah, wouldn't every them. every
0: other GM be like, "Oh yeah, we definitely if we could have taken Foster,
2: not <laughs> yeah." That's you what don't I mean. think
0: that you don't think the Devils were like. Mm-hmm. Can we take Makar over here?
2: Yeah, like I'm sure they flirted with the idea. Um,
0: but yeah, I mean, <sighs> other league drama. Hopefully, you know, Hextall does the same thing with Pittsburgh and just ruins them. Yeah,
2: yeah. we're talking lot so about, you- about Philly and Pittsburgh for a Washington podcast, guys. Yep, and
0: we might as well just –
1: and then we got our Pittsburgh guy coming on, so.
0: Yeah, there's our, <laughs> our natural transition. No. I so the last thing that uh, I wanted to do, Bill, was – Two favorite and two least favorite jerseys in the league right now.
2: Yeah, we'll give ours after because we already know them, so you can say yours.
1: Kind of on the spot there. (laughs) Yeah,
2: really just shine the light on you there.
1: Not Least favorite, probably the Caps. I mean, I think our jerseys suck.
2: Really? I like the home jerseys. Like the current ones, the current
1: ones. Like I just yeah, don't like the setup where it's like all like the wipe down the sleeves and like the inside of the sleeves and stuff. I've never really liked them. The current I ones. I don't.
0: I don't dislike them, but I, I think that it's time for an update. I think like yeah. the
2: color of red they use. Sorry, I'm looking up at mine, and like the outline oh. of the letters looks so good on it, though.
0: Yeah, I I just think you know it is time for an update. I don't think that their jerseys are bad, but I think they they yeah. outlive their shelf life at this point.
2: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: I mean, I don't really love. The Ducks, black ones, like the black and orange and gold. I it's think all their white ones leaves. are sick. The white ones are cool, but I don't know. I, don't know. I had I don't
2: Columbus's white jerseys as one of my worst. Awful. 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 Yeah, just terrible.
0: Um, I had Carolinas as one of my worst. Their, their reds, black ones are pretty
1: nasty. Black ones like, are pretty good.
0: I don't like them I just either. like black
1: jerseys. So do I.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think I think Carolinas' <laughs> uh, reds are gross, like their chest logo they finally took off the shoulder logo, but at one point in time, they had the same logo on their shoulders as they did on their chest. Um, again, I think it's just a dated dated logo at this point. Um, Uh so they're one of my worst. And then I think I'm going to change up from what I said last night. I think the jets blues are gross.
2: You think like the jets like home jerseys or their alternates? Let's say like, uh, both,
0: but in particular, their homes.
2: Yeah. I think their away jerseys kind of stink. Um, I feel like St. Louis's alternates are like the best in the league. The, yeah, like that baby blue, blue ones. that powder
1: blue and yellow, like
0: they wore yeah. in the winter classic. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and then Calgary's Reds. I think those are just I mean, those we talk. Else. we also talk about Jerome Gimma, but that's yeah. just synonymous yeah. to me. Like that flame yeah. C that was their thirds. I think they they were wearing them in that cup run. Oh no, they had the black horse heads, but they, they were wearing yeah. red, red flames that cup run. Like he was yeah. an all, all time all timer. Um, so oh, cool, cool older. Jerome The story, uh, in the Bo Bennett interview too. So, um, uh, yeah,
1: lots of reasons ju- to listen, jump to that. Yeah. Might as well. We kept you all long enough. So here's Actually, the only, the
2: only one note I wanted to say, sorry, is that I think his name was Teddy Balkin, the kid in Connecticut that passed away. Oh, oh yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Bad collision. Just skate.
3: Yeah.
2: Crazy. That's like obviously tragic. So it's nice to see that everyone in like the hockey community is like reaching yeah. out, putting their sticks out for him and everything. Cause that's brutal yeah it's good good stuff everybody
0: yeah yeah so rest in peace teddy i mean i just really not don't really want to dive into the details you can can no yeah we we don't have to do that yeah just like just like tragic story let everyone know
2: our thoughts are with their family or his family and
0: would would hate not to mention it um so yeah on that note now we can jump over to bo bennett Bo bennett All right, we'd like to introduce our next guest. He was a 2010 first round draft pick for the Pittsburgh Penguins, where he played the majority of his NHL career, won a Stanley Cup in 2016, not to mention an academic weapon while playing at the University of Denver, uh, making the WCHA academic team. Uh, Please welcome on Bo Bennett.
3: What's up boys, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for jumping in. Um, I'm Bob, as you know, this is my partner, Ben. Uh, Pleasure. We are obviously a Caps podcast like we talked about beforehand, but um, would love to learn a little bit about your upbringing. I mean, we're both uh, at opposite ends of the coast, but non-traditional hockey markets get to know you a little bit better and eventually talk a little bit about your career. But um, pardon my long intro, so the people that that don't know you, um, how did you end up? Playing ice hockey, being from you know Southern California, a, a non-traditional market in the, the 90s when they were trying to, to pump hockey out there.
3: Yeah, I think uh, it happened pretty easily. Actually, I, I grew up on like um, Crenshaw Boulevard, and Crenshaw went all the way down to the Great Western. Straight Indiana. out of Compton. Yeah, so I was right on Crenshaw Boulevard, and uh, obviously you can tell uh, by the way I look and am, but dead um, yeah, giveaway with the snapback. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so right down the street was great Western form. Uh, I think Gretzky came in like 89, 89 or 90, something like that. I was born in 91 and, um, they were just, it was just a bunch of hype around ice hockey and like kind of trying to get people to focus on it a little bit more from the area. So I think my first ever tournament was, I just was skating, like watching my older brother skate. Like my family never played hockey or was attached to it at all. Um, so we started in roller hockey and they offered like if you come and play in this tournament you can go watch the game they give you tickets if you like enter the tournament it was just the run of the mill like uh blow up boards with a ball it wasn't with a hockey puck so that was my first real taste was it it had to have been probably like 96 97 um played my first tournament in the parking lot went and watched the game had never seen a game before in, in person and then I think they made the switch to Staples in like 99, uh, 2000. And I just kind of fell in love with the team. It was just, my dad loved it. Um, I was still a roller hockey guy up until I was 14 years old. So it was just one of those things that kind of did on the side until I figured out that roller hockey really wasn't going to pay the bills down the road. So, but I, I mean, roller hockey, I suggest anyone who likes hockey to give roller a try. It's so fun. Like, there's, there's no worries out there. You're eating, like, cheeseburgers, like, two minutes before. You know, just the <laughs> yeah,
0: we, we've got a, a team, an in-house team here that they go to tournaments and play in, like, the NARCH tournaments and stuff. And
3: yeah, it's it's, so a, fun
0: it's fun. definitely a little bit different than than ice hockey. Those guys always have the sickest hands, though. The guys yeah. that play roller. Um, That's
2: why I didn't play roller.
0: <laughs> well, it's Zegris. He's, yeah, a, he's yeah. a Cali kid, right? Um, yeah. But if Wikipedia might be lying to me here, but did you actually play in the the Quebec tournament?
3: I did. I played in it twice. Uh, So I played my first year was with the Junior Kings. We were really bad, um, but like a great group of guys. Like we were just a little bit younger and we did building, which was sick because a lot of people like opted out of building. But for us, like we wanted the experience being from Cali, like we had no like experience like that before. so. I built it with this uh, uh, this family, Danny and Natalie. They had two kids. Um, just being able to – I think we won two. At, we played like 14 games or something. Like we only won two in like the, the two and a half weeks we were there. But it was a blast. And um actually came back the next year with like a sick team. Emerson Edom was on my team. Matt Nieto. Jason Zucker like all these guys, we made it pretty far in the tournament, but I got to stay with the same billets again. So it was nice to have that little camaraderie and just kind of knowing what I was going into. And, um, that experience, like uh, that tournament was crazy. It's my first real experience of people caring about hockey.
0: Well, yeah, it's in the middle of the mall, isn't it?
2: No, that's, that's that's the Edmonton one. That's the brick tournament, right? That's the
0: brick. Okay. So, yeah, but I mean, you go look at the I was going to ask, I mean, you hear even Pierre talk and he won't miss a chance to talk about it. But all these guys played against each other in the Quebec tournament. Is there any any guys that you played against, you know, when you were that young or even the guys on your team? You were saying that you're like, oh, shit, like we're we're legit, like we got a shot.
3: Yeah, like I think when I look back at the rosters, I I notice a ton of guys that are still playing now. Um, but I wasn't really, like, name-watching back then. I didn't really care about anything other than just having fun, being out there and playing hockey. But, like, the brick tournament, the, the, the names that were on the teams. there's only 12 teams. The names that are on those teams, like, every team had multiple NHLers, and this is from 12 years old. So, like, it's just funny that it works out that, uh, like, a tournament that early on can still foreshadow what's to come in the future. Um, and same thing with the PV tournament, but the PV tournament was a little bit more watered down. Like there was, I think there You're was like, playing for two two and a half weeks. You gotta have a, yeah, a like, ton of guys there. There's like three divisions. Like there was an A, a B, and like an international. And like, I mean, it was just cool because there's teams like I think we had a team from Mexico. And, like uh, I don't think they, I think they were losing games, but like. Thirty goals like guys were like relentless on them but they had like these guys had the best time you know they're just out there they didn't give, they didn't care at all they were just happy to be out in a in a change of scenery and doing something they really like to do no matter what the score was
0: so even at that point you you still thought ice hockey was like a side thing like getting going to to travel internationally and play like that
3: no i it was just more i was really involved with doing a lot of things like i didn't want to be tied in and in California, like ice was so expensive, like an hour ice is like 500 bucks. So it's basically like parents uh, like scrounging together money to say, all right, what's the adequate amount of time we can get our kids on the ice that doesn't like hamper us so we can pay the bills and eat food. Um, so I, I skated ice like probably three times a week was, was we do a practice maybe on Wednesday I have a clinic on Monday and then a game on the weekend. And I think doing that way was great for me because I would, have been, I would have been so mentally out of it by the time I got to when it became a job because I, I was a rink rat. Like I loved uh, being at the rink just because I didn't get to go there as often as a lot of kids do. Um, and it carried on into pro hockey where you have like pro guys be like, oh, this sucks. Like, why are we doing this? Where I was like loving it. Thank God I can get free ice. I just stay out there and work on some stuff. Same thing with junior hockey as well.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to ask about junior hockey. Um, I was reading it said you you could have gone and played in the Western League for Calgary or could have gone and played in scenic Nebraska. Uh, but you chose you chose the British Columbia uh, – the BC, sorry, the British Columbian Hockey League. Um, what? Why did you end up or how did you end up in Canada?
3: I actually – actually, it's a funny story because I didn't want to go there at all, and, but my dad really liked the coach, and he just – obviously parents usually know best, but I was seeing a lot of people going to the WHL. So I wanted to go to the dub. And then I was 17 at the time. So he basically just said, you can't, you can't choose the dub because you're not 18. You're not an adult. So you can't limit your options before you turn 18, which I understood. And then I went to Tri-Cities camp and Jaden Schwartz was there and it it was good. It, It was just, it was one of those things I just kind of I was actually surfing with my buddy, Dave, David uh, Marabella, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I think I'm just going to break off and do something like crazy, like no one goes to the BCHL from California. No one's done it. Um, I really like the coach there. I like the city. And I I think we got out of the water at like 730. I called Coach Fred Harbinson. I said, hey, I'm going to come to Penticton. And He had been calling my dad saying, hey, what can I do to try to get him to change his mind? Thinking my dad did anything and I actually told Fred before I told my dad that I was going to go there. So um it was just one of the best decisions of my life. Met some of my best friends I've ever had and uh obviously our team was sick. So it made it it made life really fun and easy. And you you were one and done there? One and done, yeah. Just my just my senior year of high school and then went to DU. I mean it was that even back then was that crazy
0: for a guy to play one year of junior and then go to college and then College for two years. I feel like that was a little uh, like back and forth, you know?
3: I think I, I think it's because I was a little, I was a later birthday. So I was getting drafted a year after like, like most 91s had just got drafted. They were two months older than me, had just got drafted. So like going to juniors and like doing well there, it was kind of expected to do well because, you know, you're older, even though it was my first junior experience. It's, it's a tier two junior league. So, I was very fortunate to play on a really good team, um, and, and it was free. <laughs> yeah, it was free. I, you know what? And it was, it was just like Penticton, BC. If you've never been, is like it's an incredible city. Like for like an an unknown Western BC city, um, it's like right on Lake Okanagan, just a little south of Kelowna. And um, like I said, like the coaching. What really hampered it in for me was the coach. Coach Fred literally said. I'm not going to change how you play. I just kind of want to, like, I want to make you better, but I'm not going to try to tinker with your game too much. Like obviously you have a skill set and you play a certain way, um, which I love, like, I didn't want to go in there and start hitting guys. So he just said, go put up points and be good on the power play. And that's, that's kind of what happened.
0: I mean, you had a 120 points. Have you, you ever break the,
2: the a
3: decent year?
0: Yeah. The three digits in any other level. I know, obviously, as you went up, it got significantly harder, but, in minor hockey or when you were playing triple a where you light yeah. it up like that
3: i i mean i think my my last year in youth hockey i had like 160 or something like that um jesus christ um but that i mean same thing i was playing with really good players yeah on the team and um, you actually are playing against on average, worst teams, but BCHL at the time had some some bottom dwellers that you really could just be like, all right, boys, let's get four or five. It's that tonight.
2: night, those are the best.
0: Well, but- Ben, Bo got drafted my draft year. If you didn't know, if there was thirty-two teams, I would have been taken probably. I don't know, maybe probably not. But I More mean, a little you got too, really. yeah, you got scooped up right after, right? So one year a junior, and then you're a first round draft pick.
3: Yeah, that 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 part was really new to me because I went in just wanting to get a scholarship. Um, I wanted to help my parents um, you know, alleviate some financial pressure by just getting a scholarship, going somewhere, earning my degree, and having fun playing hockey with whoever it might be. And uh I just came came into the BC and you know, I had a good start, like a like a solid start. And I'd I'd grown that last summer where I wasn't on the map at all, and then I went to, like, the USA, um, like, the district camps. Like, they they do 14, 15, 16, and 17, and I didn't make the first three, never made it until the last year. And then I led in scoring my the only year I made it. It was just, like, it was, like, this weird year where everything kind of came together. I went off the rails and picked BCHL, and it ended up being the best choice possible. And then um, I grew grew, like, four inches, which really helped, too
0: uh and what were you um were you i mean again you said going into that year you didn't really think you were off the, or you were off the map and then was picking denver easy was it you like that climate coming from bc getting out of cali Get, well, there was obviously no asu at that
3: time but
2: yeah it was need uh, somewhere to
3: ski yeah exactly i it was one of those it was a year that was so filled with like i did world junior A challenge um which was in pei then we did this other prospect thing during the year in uh, in Winkler Manitoba which was an absolute treat and I bet I've been <laughs> yeah. there I've been it there. was cold it was cold so I was trying not to go around throughout the year and do visits like my my hope was always to go to BC um but I had kind of like told Jerry York like hey I'll I'll walk on in your team like, I know I'm not that good yet, but like, I'll play, like, just let me play on your team. And he kind of scoffed at me at the time. And then I started lighting it up in the BC and then he came to me like a month in. And I just felt like it wasn't right to that. People who had been like trying to get me for a long time, the CCs, the Denver's. So I just, I just kept it like loyal to those guys. Um, the closest ones to home. I visited both back-to-back weekends, didn't miss any games, maybe missed one game or something, but didn't miss any game. Maybe I missed a game. Yeah, maybe I missed a game. But I was so the first CC I was after my rookie party. I I missed my whole first day of recruitment. I was so <laughs> yeah, it was it was not good. And the the DU one was same thing. I almost missed my flight. And then when I get there, uh I was like, I was stoked to see the campus. I knew some guys on the team like Drew Shore, William Wren at the time. Um and then Coach Gwazdecki had the bird flu or something or or something. He had something crazy at the time. And so he couldn't even meet me. So I was talking to him on like an intercom uh from his bed. And he's like, Hey, like, we really want you. I know. I sorry, I can't be there. I love the campus and everything. But then the next weekend was World Junior A Challenge, and I had a layover in Calgary. And Guazdecki flew to Calgary to meet me for five minutes on my layover and then flew back. So that was that was kind of like hammered at home for me. Like, hey, they really want me. He cares that much. Yeah, I'll come play for you guys. When you when you went to DU, did you know that it was gonna be a, a temporary
0: stop? It wasn't gonna be a four-year plan after getting drafted, or was that something you talked about with the coach?
3: No, it was it was kind of just what my body was gonna cause I didn't really train up at that point. Like I never trained going to the BCHL. I didn't train during the BCHL. Um, <laughs> so I was seeing like how I could put on weight without like taking away from my game. And the first year was, it was tough. Like, I, I don't think I had a point for like 10 games, started to figure it out uh, against these bigger, stronger guys and uh, finished the season strong, enjoyed my off season. It's like, Going home between like college years after your buddies are all leaving for college for the first time and coming back is like, that's one of my favorite things and memories of my entire life, just the stories and getting together again and kind of having that freedom that you didn't have before. Now that your parents said, yeah, you've been living away from home. And I went back and uh, something happened in practice. I actually got stepped on and I this whole thing where they stitched me up. They said nothing was wrong. I wanted an MRI. They said they didn't want to give me one because they looked at it that this is at student health. I'm like bleeding everywhere. And I was like, yeah, all right. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're good. And uh, so we played Michigan Tech two days from then. And I go, I'm like, I can't, I can't even lift my bag. Like, what the hell's going on around here? And so I missed those two games. And then they actually like call Pittsburgh and say, hey, we think Bo's being like, he's being a pansy, like he's he's opting not to play because he has this cut on his wrist. I'm like, all right, well, I, what's this? I have this huge bump in my hand. And they're like, oh, it's a cyst because there's trauma in the area. So I'm going up into student health. They have like a syringe in my hand trying to suck out the cyst. And the doc's like, yeah, we're not getting anything. I'm like, all right, well, it's killing me. So do something for the pain. So they just shot me up with cortisone. I played six more games, still had no like, ability to like pick stuff up i could shoot i could figure it out out there like uh, on the ice a little bit um still was putting up points so they didn't really care and then i was like hey can i just get an mri my parents will pay for it and sure enough my tendon had retracted into my my hand and the other part was in my elbow and they actually had to take out another tendon in my hand to get it back together i had my hand like this for eight weeks in a full arm cast and it was an injury that could have been a six-week process. It ended up being like a four-month ordeal because of the the lack of um, medical response, and no hard feelings because my brothers went there right after, but it was just one of those things where I couldn't go back just because of that certain, like that was in my head, and I just wanted to move on and um, kind of get a more professional lifestyle going because I had like literally nine months off in college where I didn't do anything. I couldn't sweat. I couldn't So I was just a regular student from like, from like December until June of 2012. So did you, (laughs) yeah, did you have any
0: idea, like when you were going and playing in the the WCHA, the rivalries at that point, like you, you you're playing against CC, Mankato, you're playing against those Minnesota teams as well. Like living out there for a little bit, that's what all the guys grew up getting together on Friday nights and watching WCHA hockey.
3: Yeah. WCHA was incredible. Uh, Like, our, our big one was obviously CC because we always did home and homes uh, on the weekends, but like North Dakota was another huge one because their fans travel and that that arena is awesome. But like a lot of people don't know the WCHA is probably the most like r- most rivalries in terms of like teams hating each other or it seems so, but the second you finish either your second leg of a, of a series season series and you were done playing that team like everyone got together and party together it was like kind of the WCHA way where you like all right we're done with that uh that series like now let's party and have some fun and um that's what I always liked about it like it was left it all out on the on the ice and then once the once it finished like guys on the other team texting us hey like we got a hockey house party everyone's invited and then it was just it was just fun that, that way it's like blue mountain state stuff you don't hear about that yeah I was gonna I, say yeah. it's like but, like, that's the little things that make college hockey the best. You know, you're playing 36 games. Yeah, you want to win games. But, I mean, it's still college. You sacrifice so much in the college lifestyle to play hockey that you don't want to sacrifice on a Saturday night if you're on the road like the other team gets it and says, hey, come on, let's, let's have a night. We're not playing you until the final five. <laughs> so
0: so you, you go from DU and you go to rookie camp, I assume, Um, going into that year, you started with Wilkes-Barre. Did you have any idea or your first round pick first taste of pro hockey? Were there projections that you were going to get in, get in there early? You didn't get into the national league until February. Like what was that roadmap
3: like? Oh shit.
0: You're right. You're right. That was lockout year.
3: It was, it was the best. It it couldn't have been better for my development because the, the AHL is so good. Uh, you know, like it's it's a there's no better stepping stone than the AHL with like six NHL regulars on the team for the whole league. So like I mean, like Oklahoma City had Taylor Hall and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Jordan Eberle and Justin Schultz. So it's like the league was really good that year and it I didn't make it out of camp. I still needed a little bit of understanding of the game. I needed my first, that was my first training camp and then I think Eight or nine games in, um, uh, a bunch of injuries started happening, shortened season. So we were an older team, um, and I just kind of lucked into a spot and um, had a good rookie year by by all accounts.
0: Well, I'd say so. You had, what, 26 games, 14 points in your first taste of the NHL. And you said you had, you know, six or seven NHLers on just your American League team. But if you look at that lineup in Pittsburgh, like, you're learning from – Guys, like you know, who who were the guys in that locker room that kind of guided you or showed you the way? There's a bunch of you know future Hall of Famers, if not already Hall of Famers, and well, then uh, it's just riddled with talent.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, we traded for Douglas Murray, Jerome McGinley, and Brendan Morrow. So those guys were like like thousand game bets at that. All point. war letters. It, yep. Yeah, but like obviously Sid and Sid was my boy. Gino was awesome to me because I played with him and Neil probably the most that season. Um, but like the the guys, kind of the in-betweeners that were like awesome for me, like my seatmate on the team was Joe Vitale, who's now with the broadcast team for St. Louis Blues. He, just like an all-time guy. Like you'll never hear a bad word about that guy. And for him to kind of take me under his wing and um, still learn how to be a pro, you know, like you're riding a bus and then now you're flying planes and just kind of understanding Um, And then obviously, I I live with Robert Bortuzzo. So he was another guy that we kind of spent every second together, where we, we were just trying to improve our lives at that point, like, hey, let's get our foothold. And obviously, Rob's foothold has been uh, pretty good for a long time. He's still playing for St. Louis. And it was just a it was a fun year. And uh, we came up a little short, but that team was pretty sick.
2: Uh, yeah, I just wanted to go back a second talking about your AHL experience and everything. What do you think about like the kids today who like get drafted high and then if they aren't like producing right away and they get sent down to the minors for a little bit, everyone like jumps on them right away when obviously they're still young and developing?
3: Well, I just I think it's a lot of times people have to realize like it used to be you never even got a chance until you prove yourself in the AHL, so the league changed right when I was coming in where you used to have to earn it, earn your way up the system. Like the Detroit's, you wouldn't get chances until you're 25, 26. Um, You had to earn your way all the way up. Now it's you're not that they're gifted this chance, but these young guys, you want to like, at the odd chance that 18 year old comes in and lights the league on fire. I mean, now you have them from 18 on. So I think it's, it's kind of this risk and reward mindset that GMs have seen work Um, And it's gotten away from like the development and learning how to be in pro hockey. And um, I think for like fans, fans are so quick to say like, Oh, he's a bust or this or that. It's like, there's plenty of guys who've gone down, figured out their games came back. I mean, look at Evan Rodriguez this year. Like, like he great example, you're only as good as the opportunity you get. So a lot of people might be a sick player in a wrong place with a wrong coach, with a wrong system, and then they move one place over and now you're a 35 goal scorer as opposed to a guy who'll never break 10. So it's like, I think fans need to recognize that it's not always on the player. Yes, a lot of the onus comes on the player, but um, a lot of it's confidence, opportunity, and just gotta be put in the, the places where you're, you're meant to succeed.
2: So you don't think that Twitter GMs are right?
3: Yeah, everyone on Twitter is really smart. But
0: uh, <laughs> well, you played uh, with Twitter legend Zach Boychuk. Is that where you got some of
3: your your career influence? Now he, he follows he, me. given a million other people, he follows. Oh my I god! Like, I think I don't think he runs his account. I actually like Zach. I I roomed with him uh, a couple times on the road, and he was a, a great guy. Um, so I don't on know. His phone a lot, I bet. Dude, they, yeah, but I, I,
0: he's just going to have
3: the that. longest running
0: virus on his phone.
3: Yeah, I, I actually don't know if that's ran fully by him. It or can't be. <laughs> there, there's just no way. So, and and just knowing him a little bit personally, like unless he just went totally off the right, uh, like went into that mode, it's just it's very hard to do because I do it on a very small scale and I still my my head spins sometimes.
0: Let's
3: see. So we'll
0: go back to to Pittsburgh here, obviously, but you played for, under Biles right away, and then former Capital coach Todd Reardon. Um, who again going back to Twitter crossover here, yeah, not a lot of people were happy with in Washington, DC. Uh, with his tenure, I mean, he he had the big shoes to fill, he took over a team that just won the cup and got rid of their coach. Um, can you give us some, you know, bright notes on Todd Reardon or maybe some some yeah. background on him?
3: Yeah, Reard's is a like, I don't know what the whole I know I, I kind of heard a little bit of the sister situation that went down behind the scenes that I probably can't discuss, uh, but. <laughs> It's Reards, and this is just from my personal perspective, Reardon is probably a top three assistant coach in the league to because to be a, a head coach, sometimes you can't like coddle to people or you have to be a little bit more of a hard ass where you good right. cop bad cop. Yeah. yeah, yeah you have to you have to manage egos and I think he's genuinely just such a good guy and he wants the best for anyone that I think as an assistant coach, when you're just doing PK and running the D, you're almost like the team within the team. So there's nothing, like, I I had two of the best assistant coaches coming in. Bilesma, he was kind of not my cup of tea, but he also had to be because he's the head coach, you know? Like, he's trying to win. He's trying to get the most out of the team. But Tony Granato and Todd Reardon, like, you can't put two better guys together, you know, in terms of positivity. Just trying to be the best person for you, um, and I think that's kind of what what I saw with that situation is he's just one of those guys who maybe he's just the best assistant coach of all time as opposed to like an average to below average head coach. and that there's nothing wrong with that. you know some people you'll see you guys in, in any sport, they can't cut it as a head coach, but they're an offensive coordinator and they're the best that to, to do it. so
0: Yeah, definitely. We, I'll go ahead, Ben.
2: Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna go back. It's not relevant to the coaching or anything, but I was just you mentioned playing. Like Aginla like came over. He was like my boy growing up. He was like the reason I got into hockey. What was he like? Like around the rink and stuff.
3: Um, he was like the legend of Jerome Aginla is he just the nicest guy and like he cared so much. I I it if we had somehow strung together some wins against that Boston series and I won <laughs> like up my first year with all those guys on that team, it would have been like it would have been downhill from there for sure. Um, <laughs> but Jerome again like, he's just one of those guys who's so quietly the best. You know, like, he, if something is bothering him, he doesn't take it out on anyone else. You know, he works hard. He's a great team guy. He's always got a smile on his face, but he'll stick up for his teammates. And, like, we, were, we didn't make that much money that year because we had spent so much time in the AHL, me, Robert Bertuzzo, and Simone Dupre and at a rookie party like quietly like said hey like you guys just you guys spend 5k and I'll, i got the rest and he, i don't know it was like probably 27 grand more that he had and he did that like like he goes like yeah we'll square up when we get home and then he just said no we're good uh, i know it's been like a tough year so no one no one even like knows stuff like that but that's why he's the best guy because he's not showy about it he just kind of goes about his business and um, i feel like
0: people came out when he
3: got Hall of Fame, people all of a sudden were dropping stories like that. It was awesome. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I guarantee the stories are nonstop because when you're that good of a guy, there's a new story every week, every day, every month. So um, I, w- I was fortunate to play with him. I think my, his last ever game in Pittsburgh, I was on line with him and uh, uh, Brett Sutter or something like that. Um, Brandon Sutter, sorry, not Brett Sutter. And uh, it, it was, it was fun to play with him a lot.
0: So, back to you know playing in Pittsburgh, you're thrown into uh middle of a, a, a just a dynasty, right? So you got guys like Crosby, Malkin, Flower that have just been there forever, where the culture right away is like hey win 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 you, did you have a lot of time you think while you were up that first year to to develop, or was that like you were saying playing in the American League helped with that transition? It's not like you came in and were playing you know, for the, the Arizona coyotes this year.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I probably, my biggest regret in, is not playing the game, how I like kind of why I was drafted and like almost like I played so because I was trying to fit in. I was trying not to mess up. I was playing kind of uh, more defensive minded than I ever had. I was trying to just do the little things right, which is like being a pro um, and I think, though, if you when you take chances early, they're more lenient going forward. You know, if you establish yourself as like a point per game guy, if you turn the puck over at the blue line, they're going to be like, all right, well, it doesn't matter because he's going to make up for it uh, in the long run. But if you're if you're a a smart, heady, uh, play it simple guy and then you turn the puck over the blue line, they think you're playing outside of yourself. So um, going back to that year, I think it was just. It happened so fast, and we won so many games. I think – like, I came in, and I think – I don't know. We we won, like, six – we went 16-0 and 0 in March. I remember that. Um And it was – Just Christ. Yeah, it was – and then Sid got injured. So that was, like, a – it was a different – people were getting injured left and right. Like, and Sid got injured. Then we went into the playoffs. Sid came back, and uh we won the first two series pretty easily. And then we just ran into – uh boston who is almost bounced in the first round they're up 4-1 against toronto and then they gave up that lead and then oh right it was that year (laughs) so so that i mean it could have a lot of things could have happened different because they were definitely the team we matched up worst against because of just the way they play um compared to the way we played so i think a lot of things could have changed that year
0: uh, so you did, you know, you stuck around with Pittsburgh for a few years. You finally did end up winning a cup in 2016, um, again with just a murderer's row of a of a roster. Um, was there at any point, like, did you do you think, you know, we're we're doing this, we're gonna we're winning the Stanley Cup? Well, the Sharks were for so many years. The Sharks were just so good, and the, to come up short again for them, like that was a loaded Sharks team too
3: yeah i think that year i i missed that almost that whole year too i i only played like 30 games maybe um i got hit it was actually uh sullivan's first game as head coach i got hit first period by oshi and it, it was probably
2: remember that hit.
3: yeah it was probably the best i had been playing um like in my whole career like i had been putting like points together i was playing with sid and cooney um the team the team was doing poorly so in that regard when i went out it just every every other guy stepped up and it kind of it kind of built the team the right way like we got hags we got a few other guys and then throughout that last stretch of hockey where i came back but re-injured my shoulder even though i wasn't a part of it i could tell like the the boys the team was so good like it didn't matter if we got scored against like they were they were very level headed about how they were approaching games approaching shifts approaching periods so um once we got past caps um and then toronto or tampa tampa was a wagon too um but it was just it, it never seemed like we weren't going to win so that i feel like we just kind of had that um that it factor that year and obviously they took it into the next year where they just ne- it never seemed like they were not going to win. Um, obviously they did the caps dirty again, I think. Yeah. Yep, they <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. But I mean, and then Ottawa, like, like that series could go either way. And then Kunitz gets a, like a guy who wasn't even playing that much gets a second overtime winner. It's like, at that point you, they're just not going to lose to nashville
2: what was it like being in the middle of some of those or maybe just one or two of those capitals pens rivalries like playoff series because they were like the best rivalries in hockey
3: at the time yeah well, i mean
0: are we are we blowing that up as caps fans like yeah is it was our rivalry well, as-
3: it, it started as Ovi versus sid but then right. the success the teams are so good and then Ovi got a cup and like The caps have been so good. Maybe they get more if they're not playing the pens those two times. You never know. It's just, it's, it's literally a game of inches, like in that regard, like for instance, the, the Toronto, uh, giving up that three goal lead to Boston, like who knows that first year, if we match up against Chicago better in the finals and we make it there and we win or something. So, but the, the, the rivalry was, I never played a playoff game against them. I was hurt both times. Um, but the rivalry just in regular season was insane. I loved it. Um, it was one of those games where I, I love playing in Washington. I, I felt like I played well there. And the fans were like, you could hear the fans. Some arenas, you kind of deafens the noise. But for some reason in Washington, you can hear the fans. It's just an awesome place to uh, go out to eat, to <laughs> party after the game and play games there. So I, I love that rivalry. And um, it, it was really fun. What
0: were some of your your spots, if you remember, places in D.C. area that you guys would go out?
3: Oh, geez, now your your my brain is just complete mush now. I yeah. actually I <laughs> yeah. I, I was right. usually just the guy like, all right, let me know when to meet in the lobby. I'm not I don't like I'm a horrible leader, but I'm a great follower. So just <laughs> tell me where to be, and I'll be there. Is that that SoCal mentality? Yeah, just kind of roll with the punches, go with the flow, and um. I actually did a, a camp there, a USA camp there, and th- that that facility, like the Arlington facility, is just like top notch. Like the practice facility. Yeah, yeah, Kettler.
2: Um, MedStar, or yeah. Oh Kettler yeah, it's time, a MedStar.
3: Right? It's MedStar now. But yeah,
0: I mean, you talked about everybody stepping up. The year that you won the Cup, you guys had over two hundred and fifty man games lost.
3: Yeah, I, I think I attributed about seventy of those yeah I mean
0: I'm looking at the list your name's on here uh more than a handful of times, but um just to get a little more make this maybe more a little capsulated you you mentioned guys like Haglin, uh orpic um what, uh, were those guys you think vital for guys like that in the locker room vital for the cap success when they finally did win the cup
3: yeah hundred percent I feel like orpic is such a Niskin and even yeah nisky nisky and orpic the way they go about business is so um business like as opposed to a guy like me where I'm laughing and joking and smiling all the time at the rink they're very uh they know it's a job and they get in there and they get their business done and um like niski is Nisky's an all-time guy, Brooks is an all-time guy, but they're also super mild mannered. You're not going to see him laughing a ton at the rink while like business is going on. So I think that um that persona, that um way that they handle themselves probably came in and turn the caps mindset a little bit where it's like these guys have won it this is how they act maybe this is like something that they can bounce ideas off of or you just kind of you kind of read and react with the situation once a guy wins and same thing with like chris kunitz it's like this guy's won four cups and he's good on every team he plays for he's undrafted it's like there's a reason why guys like that make it and are successful so you just kind of read and watch what they do and it's it's usually because they're good teammates. They work hard and they don't, there's no like BS behind the scenes. Um, uh, Oh, go ahead, Ben.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say, going back to the caps, pens rivalry, like uh, did, were you ever in games like playing against Tom Wilson back when he was like a psycho? Cause now he's like tamed his game a little bit, but.
3: Yeah, I think, I mean the Tom Wilson, like people ask me all the time, like I, he's a guy everyone would like on your team. So I don't know. yeah, hundred percent. Like I would have loved to have Tom Wilson on our team. So it's, whenever I see him do something or act crazy, it's like I've played with guys like that where I was like the second they're on a different team, I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's like, leave me alone. Yeah, no, um, a mutant but, out there. Well, so
0: but you were also, saying you came in at that time where there was that transition of player, right? Like where Tom Wilson could have played in any generation.
3: He wasn't he was playing he against. He oh, would have been one of the best to ever do it back in like the 90s and 80s i feel like just because his skill level is still there he's a first round pick but he can throw him with like any heavy so but also by the time he was becoming the toughest guy in the league or one of the mainstream enforcer was getting out because you needed to be able to play a regular shift um i don't know how many of those he would have fought like i played with a guy steve mcintyre and like like he would show up to games and like camouflage he was just hunting and he just
2: eating like nails for breakfast <laughs>
3: like, like doing like warming up for games doing 350 pound bench press and like the that was when i was in the ahl so the ahl was still kind of scary when i was there but i also had steve mcintyre in my team so it made my life a lot easier so that's why i think a guy like tom wilson there's a reason why he gets paid the amount he does he makes everyone else feel a little safer. Um, and he's tamed down his game a little bit. You know, he doesn't have to do as much stuff as he was doing. But sometimes when you're like that, it's hard to tell your brain not to play a certain way that you're accustomed to playing. Yeah,
2: yeah definitely. Drive. Especially when he was like 23 or 24 and still kind of breaking into the league. Like he just had to make his name. And he certainly yeah. did that.
0: Like <laughs> Looking at 2014, there was a guy in Wilkes-Barre with 259 penalty minutes. Bobby Farnham? No, Farnham only had a buck sixty. Oh, Laterno LeBlanc. Oh,
3: PL three. Yeah, he's PL
0: three. Uh, he sixty six games. Jesus Christ.
3: Yeah, he was in that old, uh, that old school. Another great guy. Like you love him on your team. I played against him too, and it's like the, these enforcers fans hate other enforcers, obviously, but like you can't tell me a fan that cares about their team wouldn't take Tom Wilson on their team. So it's just, it's just, there's so much hate that's spewed. Yeah. Obviously some things get carried away on the ice and you shouldn't do them, but then you get, you have to pay the price for them. So that's on him. Um, So I just, I hate when fans are so quick to like, no matter what he does, they like hate on them. You know
2: what I mean? Yeah, We have a segment called what if Willie on here? So it's just like, if anything bad happens, it's like, what if Wilson did that? It's like, Oh, he's, dead the rights he's in jail
3: from from all accounts i've heard he's a great guy so it's like like that's all that matters like yeah on the ice you can be whoever you are your persona is but like as long attempted murder yeah yeah as long as you're a good guy off the ice like you're fine by me
0: so hmm. to ask you a question about like when you played again we're talking like the the league was changing now it's more of like a, a younger guy's league you think you would have if you say you're born five years later. This is more
3: your NHL. Like uh, again, more of a. a, a... I, I would have been screwed. I literally. <laughs> screwed. You would have been.
0: You would have been worse off. You're saying.
3: Yeah, my my skating ability was very. It was good. It was well suited for like that intermediate, uh, like between the lockouts. You know, like where it's it's starting to pick up pace. You're not able to like, clutch and grab as much as you were. So like, oh four to oh five. So 12, 13 was like when I would have done my best, but also I was six too, So they wanted me to hit and be physical. And obviously my body just crumbled every time I did. Um, so I think it, this new age style, I would like to see the game not slow down, but kind of become a little bit more. Um, I mean, you see the teams that are uh, like, like Tampa Bay. The reason Tampa Bay is so good is yeah, their top guys are all time, and they don't have to do state income tax, so it helps with the salary cap. But, yep. like, the way they the way they play the game where it's, it's very supporting, they're not afraid to go east-west. It's not all north-south. Um, they have a great power play. They'll play their fourth line, which is important. Like, you're never going to win if you just roll out three lines con- consistently. Then you have guys who are, like, step into the – like, they have Corey Perry, Pat Maroon – the Matthew Joseph, like these guys can step in and play on the first line if they need to. So I think it's just, if, if people modeled their their game and their team structure after them, there'd be a lot, it, it is hard though with salary cap, you know, the, that, that little extra bit helps, you know, uh, Victor Hedman makes seven and a half million when he should be making 11. Right. So.
2: Um, Going back to the, uh, the cup wins, I just, uh, Obviously, it's a little hard to talk to anyone on that team without mentioning Phil Kessel. So I uh, gotcha. just wanted to ask you some simple questions. Like, what was Phil like when he was just hanging around the rink? And I, I need your best Phil Kessel story. My dad's an all-time Phil Kessel fan. So he'd love How's it. Was
3: Phil Kessel hanging around the rink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> what was the, like, I don't, I don't think they were, obviously he did well in playoffs, but I think him coming in and kind of breaking this, uh, like the the Pittsburgh organization, is touted as one of the best in the league as it should be but it also was very um like stuffy you know like very like corporate person like personalities in there like not in a bad way it's just that's that's how it was working and then Phil comes in and kind of breaks the mold where he's almost the the guy that makes everyone laugh you know If like Gino and Sid are arguing like Phil Phil say stuff like oh, you you two are always right, eh? And then, like, everyone's, like, loving it. And it's just kind of – it made everyone better, obviously, because they're not even playing on the same lines, like, for the wins. Like, it was – they were on the same power play, but it was a first, second, and Phil was on the third. He
2: was on the HBK line, right, with Haglin and Nino.
3: Yeah, and he was – in terms of Phil's stories, uh, I think there was one, like – one time we were at, at like doing body fat and he's a specimen. Like people don't get it. Like his verticals, like 37 inches. Like it's kind like of like, Like roll. they don't seem
2: like they're in shape, but they're in shape.
3: Yeah. Like it, he's not, he's, but if you told him to get in shape, like that might ruin a lot of what he's like, he's like, you don't play 950 straight games without having some type of understanding of how you feel and what your body is supposed to feel like. Right. That's, just, that's a lot of luck. And that's a lot of, pliability you know like he's out there obviously he doesn't play the the most hard-nosed game but it doesn't matter like you would think in one game out of those 900 you'd be injured enough to not play the next so you can't really say anything to him but I remember one time we were doing like body fat and someone like his was like middle of the pack nothing nowhere near the bottom but he said something like to the boys everyone was around like someone asked him like Phil what's your body fat He's like, I don't know, middle of the, middle of the pack. He's like, I'd be top, but I just love candy too much. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, this guy is just an all time, like, like, and he, he came to Phoenix when I was just doing the training camp. Cause I was going to be in the AHL in Tucson. And he's one of those guys. He's not too good for anyone, you know, like he'll chat it up with uh, a guy in the coast all the way to the top, of, like a GM on the team. So, um for that reason Phil Phil will always be one of my favorite guys everyone does the <laughs> Phil impression the same way like yeah the high nasally yeah. voice. <laughs> that's I mean that's that it's Phil but it's like he's just such a funny like organic guy like he, nothing he does is faked um, nothing is like like off the cuff it's just who he is and that's why it's funny how did I just he remember have there's a stash like a,
0: of those. I was gonna say he just had a stash of
3: those S19s forever. Oh, yeah, yeah. He was like the only one to ever like he had like a I think he had like a warehouse of like there's like 300 left or something, but he would he would have I think he switched to a new stick that was the S19 but with their on it, yeah. Right. So it was. So he could still use that stick, but it couldn't be tied to Easton because they were obviously out of business. But the Easton sticks like a good Easton stick back in the day was that you couldn't beat it. So, you old sidecore guy. I was, was I was s yeah S-19, yeah. like I love those sticks. And I still think that they're I actually use Warriors now and Warriors are incredible, too. They kind of have the same feel, but. There's nothing better than the Easton stick, like right out, right like first practice. The pop off that stick was insane. The
2: SE sixteen was a good twig.
3: SE sixteen maybe is the one that was it the orange and black.
2: It was a uh, red and blue like near the bottom.
3: I, I I remember the last one I used was the orange and black, and I like loved it. The, oh, I know like the one the you're V9, talking about. V nine, V nine,
0: or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you a uh, were you particular? I mean, you're again a Southern California guy. Were you typical in that way? Were you a gear whore like? flashy gear like
3: no i use wood sticks probably till i was like 14 15 um we get i get Bower supremes for 20 bucks and uh i if i wanted something i used i used the equipment i found in the lost and found for like eight years and then i grew out of that and got more stuff in the lost and found that i used until i went to denver I just hated new equipment. Like my, my shoulder pads were like the little rookie MVP ones. Um, and, uh, my sticks, I was very into trying different curves to see what worked best for me. What I like, I'd always see different curves. I was very interested in like sticks and trying new things, but if I wanted it, I had to buy it myself. So a lot of it was, uh, and I mean, my parents paid so much money to have us be able to play hockey. I was like, the least I can do if, if I want a stick. Like, I never br- broke a stick uh, until I got to professional hockey when I, they weren't paying for it. But I never broke a stick because, I mean, I knew how hard they were working to get me out there on the ice. Oh, yeah, There's I no slap when, shots growing yeah, up.
0: When you got to the pros, were you like, shit, like, yeah, I'll be just, can I get five of these in this curve, five of these in that
3: curve. Well, I, I I kind of established what my curve was uh, back in college. I used a bunch of different stuff in, um, in juniors. And then when I got to college, Warrior was the best in terms of working with you as a young guy. Uh, they send you out of like a plastic blade that you can heat up and um, mold to what you liked, either the lie, the curve, if you wanted it bigger in the heel. And that's kind of the same curve I use today. And I use my whole career, basically. What, what pattern? it it's like a cross between I, I i don't even know what they're called these days but i think it's like a cross between like the latang curve you know it's like the maybe it's the OV curve where it's kind of like a toe curve but it's the a, p92
2: it's, that's what i work with
3: P90, p92 but it's kind of a hybrid with the SACIC, the old SACIC. right so it's um it sits a little higher for me cuz i was a stand up skater and I made the the heel a little bigger so I don't whiff on any pucks.
0: <laughs> so now that you're you're out of the league, are you you watching a lot of games? Are you are you a Pittsburgh guy still? Are you do you have any old you watch Kings games now that you're on the left coast? Like, what's your your NHL view now?
3: Honestly, I just like heavily into gambling on. Gambling. <laughs> I, I I don't really care about sports without money on it, and that's it's not like I'm putting like a ton of money. It's just yeah you kind of lose the love for uh, well, hockey, especially, you know, I have affiliation with a few different teams. I grew up a Kings fan, but if I don't have something in the game, I really just do not care who wins or loses. So um, it makes it fun. They kind of give that competitive. I don't even care if I win or lose the bet. Obviously I'd rather win, but it makes you, you're buying entertainment for that game. because if it's Yeah. Awesome, you're
2: way more engaged if you have money or yeah. something.
3: And that's, that goes for like everything. The only team I'd say that I have a, I was a huge Lakers fan, but I was also a Kobe guy. So it was like the old Lakers and growing up now it's basketball. It's just kind of the sport. Uh, I won't bet on it. It's just not for me. Yeah. It's not for me either. And then football, football is just hard to watch in terms of like, there's so much emphasis on the referees and how the game's being played. And like, that's another one that I like, I love, um, but it's 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 a tough sport to bet on. So hockey and soccer is actually my my two favorite to to bet on.
2: Um, I just want to ask you. We've only really touched on Pittsburgh, but you were in New Jersey for like a full season. Like no one really thinks about New Jersey. What's it like playing there? Like is it like a nice place to play? Or
3: yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, Prudential Center is a great rink. Um, our team was really bad that year, so we we it makes the season longer. It makes it seem like. I have a pretty high like uh, sense of like enjoyment of my day-to-day life, but it is, it is tough. You know, people don't realize when you're not winning, it's not like you're enjoying your days or like in between your games, you like, feel good. So it makes the se- it made that year feel like a two year season almost. Um, but I stayed healthy for the most part. Uh, I had one ankle sprain and I got stepped on in practice in and in another injury by Cal Quincy. But other than that, I had a great time with the team Uh, lived in Hoboken was just like a five minute uh, subway over to West village. And it was just nice thing living on that East coast, like actually on the coast Um, just seeing like that culture and uh, the way people live over there. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, you got to play in awesome cities in junior and then college and then Pittsburgh and New Jersey, not the prettiest (laughs) towns, but plenty of places
3: to have fun. Blue I, I, I love Pittsburgh and I, Maybe I just have like a am biased, but Pittsburgh is one of those cities. If you're a fan of a team that is there, it's got to be like a destination place in terms of everyone is so fun to like no one's above one another there. You know, like it's you go to a bar like people are having fun. People are interacting. It's not like this stush like uh, clicky uh, environment like I'm from L.A., which is the worst place ever <laughs> um, in terms of ed- everyone thinks they're more important than you. So it's like in Pittsburgh, like you felt like you were born and raised in Pittsburgh every time you went out, whether it be to a restaurant or to a bar. Well, we're not here to
0: promote Pittsburgh. So
3: (laughs) quite the opposite. I said, (laughs) Uh, I I like Washington too. So
0: (laughs) Uh, Ben, who are you betting on this year?
2: Like for the cop? Yeah. Uh, I had money on Florida.
3: Well, uh, Bo, you got any pretty quiet room point? after
2: I said that.
3: No, I think I mean I. Obviously, the easy answer is to say Tampa Aves final, but I think the way the the league's shaping up now, it's whoever can get the easiest route to the conference finals is uh like like for instance like an Aves an Avs team like if they play a like a gutted out first first round series seven games and win an OT sometimes it's that rallies the troops or sometimes that just takes the airs out of the sails it it all depends so um I think the AVS versus Tampa Tampa does it again and then and then AVS win the next year because they just I think they need a little like more of a taste of failure just kind of like like Pittsburgh in 08 and then they come back and win it um and I mean that AVS team is so fun to watch I'm on yeah, the, so, night, by the That's way. why
2: I thought the Leafs might do damage this year cuz like they've been pretty tormented for like 4 years now.
3: See that the Leafs though they haven't even made it out of the first round. So I'd say right, tormented true. it's more like these deep It's tormented rides. because I'm from the area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think Leafs the Leafs team is sick. I like I love Jack Campbell, probably one of the best guys of all time. They're going oh, to have yeah. to pay him. Yeah, I, and they're just like I I play with Michael Bunting my last year in Tucson. So it's nice to see he's doing well. And it's just, they're at such a disadvantage because they literally with how taxes are like, they have three guys making 34 million combined where like you match that up against a team. That's like a, like a Vegas who has no state income tax that are their three best players make um, probably 29 maybe. Right. So it's like, it's tough. They probably need to do something in the league where it's everything is uh, your, your cap depends on taxes just to kind of level the playing field for like the big spenders in the, the, the markets that have no taxes.
2: I feel like the easiest walk to the conference finals. then like you're saying would probably be like the Pacific division. Cause there's a lot of like teams coming out of nowhere this year, like Anaheim and LA. Yeah. And and Vegas so could probably walk all over them in the playoffs.
3: Yeah. Vegas. See Vegas is a team that, obviously can make it to the finals. It's just sometimes adversely, maybe it's too easy. And then you play a team that has been like, like tried and tested up to that point. Now you can't ramp up your energy, you know, like there's a, there's a two sides to every story for that because you don't even want to rest guys because it's hard to get back into playing shape, you know, like you rather just keep it rolling. And that's why Pittsburgh, we were successful is like, we were playing so bad we fired the coach we got Sullivan in and then we were fighting for our lives basically the whole rest of the season so no one can match our energy because we'd been doing it for like five months leading up to that
2: yeah you'd been in playoffs like through the entire time basically yeah
3: exactly
0: so i think not too much left on the plate um but just a quick maybe touch on russia not not a ton of time spent over in the, <laughs> in the continental hockey league a of coffee, well, as they that's, say
3: that's, yeah so i in between my year so i my knees started hurting really bad my year assigned with st louis got put on waivers i i couldn't really skate to be honest and that's still what's happening yeah, either yeah but like <laughs> that's why i retired is because my knees uh i can't really string two good days together in a row and uh that year was one of those years where our team was sick in the ahl um and the coach was awesome rocky thompson he just knew my knees were bad and he's like all right well power play we're gonna put we're gonna move you to center just like play 14 minutes a night had a good year because he, because of him because he trusted me to do minimal work and just kind of produce and be that guy like an older guy then coming out of that uh st louis protected me so they owned my rights but they didn't want to resign me so i had to choose somewhere out outside of the united states but i also knew my knees were hurting so my agent came to me said hey we got to try to maximize money like let's go to russia i'm like hey like i just let them know i can't skate like i really can't so and if you guys don't know anything about russia like like i i, I went in there and i said hey i i can't do like preseason. like i can't do like all these like i know you guys are known for like running yeah so say, their, their pre-season camps nuts, starts in right? like july doesn't it oh so got it worked out that i missed all training camp um, which is nice. Good agent. And, But I, then I get there and like, I play 10 preseason games in like two weeks. And I'm like, I'm, this is before the season even starts. I'm already miserable because I'm hurting so bad. And I'm also giving them a product that they probably thought like, oh, this guy was supposed to be good. I couldn't skate and I'm on big sheets of ice over there because it's Olympic size. So it's you really look horrible if you can't skate on Olympic sheet. Um, and then five games in, uh i had something happen back here buddy he passed away they were going to let me leave for a funeral and i just said screw that and i just came home and uh, went to the funeral and then i stayed and got surgery on my knee which was the best year of my life mentally and physically
2: i was about to say that's just like objectively the right call <laughs> like, yeah, like, you don't want to be around that
3: and i'm like a happy person my my mom and dad are like hey like i know you have a flight back and you had the best of intentions but you need to get this figured out because you're on an island over there, and if the hockey's not enjoyable, it's hard to enjoy anything else because you're no one speaks English. So right,
2: it's, that's all you're there for.
3: Yeah, but
0: I mean, you did get to play with this, uh, the Kasten brothers, oh, the
2: legends. No way, did you? Those
3: guys just hacking darts like during practice. Uh, those guys are legends. I didn't. I don't think they liked me that much. Uh, just <laughs> of the, how I how I came onto the team and how I was already not in the right firm of mind. I could have made it work if my knees were good. Granted, I wouldn't have even been in that situation. If my knees were good, I would have just America. Um, so it was just, it was one of those things where I I felt bad, but they knew I was coming in kind of labored and they said that they could like, Oh, we can figure it out when you're over here. And it's like, all right, well, you guys don't even have ice bags, so, like, <laughs> what, what am I doing, like, and, like <laughs> and, and, and Minsk is an awesome place, like, I, I love the, like, the city's, like, nice, and everyone, everyone was very nice to me, it just, I was not in the right frame of mind to be there. Uh, so,
0: jumping back to post-hockey, um, now you are tearing it up on Twitter, um your Wikipedia page reflects also uh, a record that I've yet to see, but I don't think we'd be doing our journalistic integrity, Ben, if we did not ask.
2: I think nine times
0: nine time COVID champ. Undefeated. I tweeted,
2: we had a nice little interaction there about it.
3: That's on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah it's on Wikipedia now. Um, uh, no, I literally this was like two weeks ago. I was just sit in my sit at my house, at my parents' house. I was bored as it was raining out and I'm friends with like, not Danny Heatley. Uh, yeah. I was you know, going to ask you about them later. Yeah. Keeps, he's the man. So well, it, it all stems from like, I think a month earlier than that. I said, we were just sitting at a restaurant and we were, you want to like mess with the internet. I tweeted that Connor McDavid is the most skilled athlete of all time. People lost their minds and still <laughs> losing their minds over that. Then I tweeted hockey's the hardest sport of all time. And then people kept losing their minds about that. And I was just sitting there saying like, what I tweeted, what I originally tweeted, isn't like a far-fetched idea. I just said like, hey, if you don't want the, if you don't want the vax, can I just sign a waiver saying I won't go to the hospital if I get COVID and take up a bed and I can just continue to live my life? And then I added in that I've had COVID nine times and that's what like drove people crazy.
2: That's what was so funny. I like tweeted, like I had to share your tweet and be like, guys, he hasn't actually had it nine times because <laughs> people are like, you don't actually have natural immunity.
3: It's oh like, I think, yeah, obviously. <laughs> I, I think I set a record too. I had 4 million impressions on that with zero new followers.
0: <laughs> with zero new followers. I
3: know. I had to like share uh, it and then
2: you, you responded. I was like, yeah, man, this is uh, my insane. My favorite if people one was believe this.
0: the, the LimeWire. So I blame it all on LimeWire. Yeah. pretty funny. I
3: mean, honestly, it's just good to show you like, well like people twitter's not a real place so it's a place where like you can go and have fun and like if you want to go into a rabbit hole and start hating things or start loving things more you can but it just goes to show you like with our society how it's going is like like why do people care that i tweeted that like what what makes the big like there's i wasn't being truthful. Obviously, you can't have COVID nine times at this juncture. So it's like, well, I'm not certain of that, but I'm gonna say we can't be 100 percent sure. As I say that, my back really hurts. I think I have COVID <laughs> for the tenth time. You were talking;
2: it was just like you were talking about natural immunity, and people are like jumping on you for it. It's like,
3: guys, that is the joke. Yeah, <laughs> that is that why I said I've, actually i actually I had it. I had it as I've had COVID, COVID without the dash, 19 times. So, like, I wanted to, like, and then I said, okay, nineteen's a little unbelievable. Let's go with nine. <laughs> I was getting, and it's crazy. People were, like, that was the most hate I've ever gotten. Like, DMs. Yeah, about- like it's legit on your Wikipedia page.
0: The best is just, if these people don't get the joke, they, they don't get the joke. It's not for them, like, over their head. And nothing's oh, better than having to explain a joke to people.
3: Well, I just start, like, I'm good on social media in terms of like, nothing bothers me. You can say whatever you want. It's it's unless you're my parents or like the people I care about, like it's in one ear out the other, but I I just started replying to people like stuff that would make no sense that they're like, it puts their brain in a pretzel, like, and they'll DM me like almost like death threats. And I'll just like, I was like, that's a, that's a reasonable reaction. yeah i'll just say like i'll just respond the word poop and they'll be like <laughs>
0: what's wrong with this guy <laughs> yeah it's just funny. like
3: people are people are so easily messed with oh they believe everything they read yeah i mean the internet there's nothing wrong on there there's nothing untruthful on there no not
2: at all i was gonna say like you brought up you hang around with like the wet jeans guys a lot they're like obviously funny bastards and uh like, not Danny Heatley's an all-time follow. Like, how did you guys, like, meet up? And, like, what is he like when he's not tweeting about, like, Bagel Bites and, like, porn star athletes and stuff?
3: <laughs> he's actually very similar to how he is on Twitter. Uh, so I feel like he has to be. <laughs> he, um, he's a good guy. I've known him for a while. I think I met him, like, maybe four years ago, four or five years ago. And just always, like, I'd see him because he was my brother moved here. And his friend group was in with his friend group in Arizona. So I'd always, I saw him here sporadically whenever I was in Scottsdale. Um, we went out a few times, partied together. Then sure enough, he sold me my house and does real estate on the side. And he's just a good <laughs> dude. The, yeah, just a good dude. Who's just um, He's just funny, you know, like his, like, the, the quips that he has, like his brain literally works like that. I was about to
2: say his thoughts like right off the dome are insane.
3: Yeah. It's, it's like, it's endless. Like if you give him on a, if you get him on an Instagram live for 24 hours, he can talk for 24 hours and, (laughs) and be funny for 24 hours. So he's a, he's a good guy. He's like one of my only friends out in Arizona. So he's a good guy to have in my corner. Well, we appreciate your time, Bo. I think that um,
0: does it for any questions we had um is there anything else ben that you got or anything you wanted to end on Bo? anything you're doing right now that you want to pump but all good I mean, the only
2: question i had was like how do you like the caps this year oh that's good we should them? probably
3: ask about the caps <laughs> yeah the the caps are um i don't know how, how are they doing in the standings i think is it backstrom back out right now
2: he's, he's he's been like in and out every time he comes in he's back out the next game but uh they're we're, like third we're currently in the trying
0: to conjure mark andre Fleury to
3: washington we're trying yeah. to tweak that into they're, existence.
2: They're one point behind the lead in their
3: division. Okay, so is Samsonov out or he's – No, he's healthy. They're just, they're just okay, not. So, so good. I, I'd say give Samsonov more leeway because he's, he's going to be gross just as Russian goalies are taking over, like, the league. Oh, yeah, they're, they're all over. Yeah, they're so good. Um, in ter- In terms of that team, like, it's just fun to see, like, like Alex Ovechkin, like obviously I played against him a lot, but like you're, you, if you're not a fan of him, you just are, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you just don't like fun. You don't like watching someone who's enthusiastic. Like, he's, he's still having this much fun at 36, 37, whatever he is. And he's still so good. So, like, I feel like once Backstrom comes back and gives a little stability, um, that team, he helps a lot. Like, when, when Backstrom comes back, it makes everyone play into the positions that they're supposed to play. And it just goes to show you how underrated Backstrom is that he gets probably no clout in terms of like the last 15 years, but he's like a top 20 player in the last 15 years, like hands down. He's almost a point <laughs> per game in his career. He's he's sick, but it's not even just that. It's, you know, every game he's gonna play the same way. He's gonna, he's gonna make good, he's good defensively too. Like people see the assists and like how he plays, but, it's because the coach doesn't have to worry about one forward position every game. He's the same all the time. So I think that's kind of um, where, it's like a Bergeron effect. Like you're like, all right, we, let's figure out the other 11 Bergeron. He's good. He like, we don't have to tell him anything. He's going to be in the right spot. He's going to do the right things.
0: That's awesome. I think uh, I hopefully, I, eh, I agree. Obviously I agree with the backstrom stuff, but I think we're going to, Hope for one year, one little playoff push with Flower, and then let Sammy be gross next year.
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Flower, Flower, I don't know how many more times he wants to move. Well, he didn't True. even want to play in Chicago. Yeah, I, I, he didn't want to go there. Um, I I just feel like that guy, obviously, he's a first ballot in my eyes. Like, I, I'm sure oh, a lot no. of like he but like, he will go down. I talked a lot about. Rome again, like being a great teammate. If you pulled anyone who's ever played with Marc Andre Fleury, your top five favorite teammates, he'd be in everyone's top five. It's like, it's, it's, oh, he's, a, he's the, isn't he always person, just pranking right? people yeah. and shit? Pranking, he's, he's never blaming defensemen for goals against. He's never blaming people. Like, he's always, which is a goalie, like, like you want to play hard for a guy like that. He's always taking the onus on himself and like he cares so much for the team. And like, even he took, played second fiddle for the two last cups in Pittsburgh. And it's like, he's still coming in the rink. Yeah. It's not the best situation, but he's still coming in the rink and trying to be the best teammate you can, which is, which is insane to do in that position as a number one guy for like your whole career leading up to that point.
0: So that's fair. I think we'll, we'll end on that. Bo was awesome having you, man. Hopefully uh, we'll see you again sometime, but I know we appreciate it. And to the, the listeners here, see, 200 games in the NHL, most of them with the Penguins. Not a bad guy. Yeah,
3: thank you. I'm not that horrible of (laughs) a guy.
2: We have a (laughs) hockey tournament in Pitt in April. We uh, we need to fill it up with some spots. So if your knees are feeling good, we'll reach out to you.
3: You can play every other game, Bo. Okay, yeah, maybe one game. (laughs) (laughs) It's mostly just to get to the bars in Pittsburgh, but there's some hockey on the side. (laughs) All right, perfect. All right, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on.